Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. Welcome to Tactical Permaculture, episode number nine. This is Sandstorm Survival Lessons, originally published October 23rd, 2021. There has been a, a, a reckoning of my soul with um, a humbling of my ego, basically reducing it, polishing my ego down to the size of a marble, which was uh, an epic multi-hour windstorm, sandstorm here, but the windstorm affected quite a number of um, regions within within California and uh, when it while it was happening here I mean I I, I was like um, it was it was my first big sustained win, uh, sandstorm experience of this site and so I've been here since March and this was the first one of that there's there's been some some thunder there's been some rain there's been some little dust devils you know that come up um little little dust whirlwinds i see them i see them out uh yonder and 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 when i get hit by those as i have a few times it, it'll rattle my rattle my my tiny home and um and there'll be uh a splashing of uh of of sand and dust around um but that usually that would be you know it would last for like seconds <laughs> before it just passes by and um there's been some heavy winds but this was this was the most extreme that i've experienced and the thing was i didn't know how to reference it i didn't know if this was i didn't know if this was normal if this was heavy light this was just the first okay this is here it is like this is the season for it or this is the beginning you know this this will be one of many to come so brace yourself and um but it turns out it's so the interesting thing is the first one that i experience here happens to be way off the charts mega <laughs> like i find out the next day like oh that wasn't just you know that was not that was not uh typical that was off the charts um so needless to say that's it recalibrates everything and um from a getting into this theme this ser sub-series of tactical permaculture and following through with the intention to to develop a permaculture training um demonstration site uh, that can accommodate a permaculture design course. Uh, 
but with the uh, the design intention and philosophy that um, that this is a a tactical permaculture training site where it's basically it's basically the combination of a boot camp and a PDC at the same time is what it, is what it will be a um, an experiment in and um, and hopefully a template that can be replicated given given the um, extensibility of the sort of semi the, the 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 licensability of even the word permaculture if if people want to take it that direction what's beautiful about the pdc what's beautiful about the term permaculture and i just did finish re-watching the entire pdc with bill mollison and jeff lawton and uh and they talk about the philosophy and the reasons for and the parameters of the use of the word permaculture so i've said before i'm not attached to using it i think it's good i'm i am licensed to use it given the fact that i do hold a 72-hour permaculture design course certificate um so i can talk about it i can i can sell the services of it uh if i were if i were to myself given my understanding of of the uh the structure of of the intellectual property if i were to be teaching the 72-hour permaculture design course and and issuing certificates that i sign then it would be it would be it would behoove the students to do their due diligence to find out whether or not i am actually a registered permaculture design course instructor through the pri the permaculture research institute at this point i am not directly affiliated or registered and so it's but they given unless the policies have changed but to my understanding to what was provided in the in between bill and jeff in that pdc is that you could basically be if you experience the course and you hold a certificate then then you were um you were licensed to sell permaculture and to teach permaculture and if you wanted to teach a course you can but it's going to be better for everybody if if you yourself become a registered uh a registered instructor through the pri and therefore you just you would have just more official legitimacy and more perks um to to go that route and i'm not i'm not opposed to that eventually but i also know that i'm a little bit on the the rogue spectrum of within permaculture even though you know i have um i have a lot of i guess you could say deep and high level affiliations over my career in permaculture that uh are are um what you call it marquee names in permaculture that i've worked with and that and that would um vouch for my you know my warrior permaculture um ethics um and my project work uh i don't i don't know if it's uh if it's best for me maybe you know we'll see what happens but for now i kind of like being off road a little bit from the from the mothership and um we'll see how things evolve but uh but i do want to say that um watching again the full going through the full pdc with jeff and bill the warrior spirit of permaculture is front and center and and there is not a lot of um 
ambiguity when it comes to things like what Jeff Lawton would do with a little bit of that military budget, comparing the difference between what humanitarian aid revenue budgets or uh, what 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 the budgets of humanitarian aid organizations are relative to military budgets of the world he said he would kick ass with one one given give him give him that budget for one year he would kick ass and i believe him and um i'm not gonna wait for that to happen i'm not gonna wait for the governments of the world to proactively allocate funds to jeff lawton to um permify the uh the TTPs of, of military, um, of military behavior on this planet, you know, really, really rethinking things like burning the feces with toxic fuel, uh, rethinking things like, um, leaving toxic forever, forever chemicals from the, the foam they put on all the fires that they, they make with all the trainings and all the explosives making poisoning, the surrounding water uh, shed for eternity <laughs> like and and also just the the absurdity that uh, a lot of this training is about as 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 dehumanizing as a lot of the um basically all of this energy is going into into fitness right into preparedness for selection in different um elite elite uh units um and and of course just basic training but pipe hitters i say let's make that into tree planters and and swale diggers you know are you a pipe hitter or are you a swale digger because you can both both of you could be in you know in fitness competitions together um side by side and you wouldn't know the difference um so I think again there's so much to there's so much synergy to be explored between I don't want to just I don't want to give the military the monopoly on the concept of a warrior but I will say well they have the financial monopoly on soldiering and warfare and battle and um and just parameters and strategic defense and and all that stuff um while they hold that monopoly of force then then it behooves anyone in permaculture who is for peace lasting peace and for um, appropriate uh, human behavior it behooves us to look at the the military industrial complex and and realize that the energy that they are that they are designing with is the warrior energy and that the indoctrination that is um, imposed upon that warrior energy is very ecologically negligent, to say the least. Um, that's not even getting into the legacies of things I talked about previously, where <laughs> the the karma of warfare, <laughs> the ecological karma of past war conduct of all warring nations, um, <laughs> that is... Um, we're not even talking about that. We're just talking about, okay, you wanna, you wanna be these. Um, if you wanna, if you wanna hold that monopoly on force, then rather than opposing and fighting, whether through law or policy or other means um, that are less, shall we say, uh, well. 
uh, less um, compliant with the law, if, if you will, um, the more efficient design, the designer approach to changing the behavior, the ecological behavior of the militaries of the world, the designer approach is to prove the tactical advantage and the cost savings and just the overall efficiency, the optimization of the organization, the optimization of the mission. So here I am. I am the... Um, as uh, at this site, I'm not the only person thinking about these things. I'm not the only person um, by any means living and exuding these things. I'm just, like, like he would say, um, you got to start somewhere. So for me personally, if this is what I want to dedicate some of my life energy to, um, then I got to start somewhere. And and so here, I, this is me reporting on where I am at. This is not like a representative of, of, a, of permaculture at large. It's not representative of, of um, veterans since I am not a combat veteran of, of wars conducted by the military. Um, I have the combat I have experienced is 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 not recognized it's like being an unrecognized tribe or something you know it's like oh you you i've i've been brave i've risked my life i have been engaged in what mike glover would say about um about people that he's trained abroad um through special operations training the indigenous people as he reflects on their um, struggles to to survive the power vacuums and regime changes of late, you know, describing things um, in terms of uh, my my favorite quote of his thus far is 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 his quote that um, they I believe the if I maybe paraphrasing if I can't remember it exactly exactly correctly uh, maybe mixing him up a uh, couple words here or there but. Uh, I believe the statement is they live in war and that's it seems very simplistic but in the context of saying yeah that basically the US military goes in for operations and it um, the soldiers rotate in and out they have downtime they have they take breaks they're not always um, they're not embedded permanently in that they're not growing up so it's it's obvious it's obvious when you think about it, of course like yeah you're a, you're either an invading army or you're supporting ally or you're doing some form of um one-off operation or police whatever it is um, whatever the scope is it's clear to the people who are u.s uh, military service people that uh, the people that they're defending or supporting or training or whatnot that those people don't get any way to escape they live in that and so as i think about w my identity my ego my warriorhood if you will and like 
and thinking about thinking about the um the monopoly on warrior warriorship warriordom warriorhood that uh that that the military has and um and how like i i i'd never i have i have um defended the integrity as a patriot of this nation by repairing the earth by being an eco warrior but i'm demonized and i'm um considered basically i don't want to say the even words of what i what i'm considered to be doing right by the soil of the nation and uh that goes back a very long time and so you know uh it's just it's just bits of irony um but i do feel like um it would be very interesting world where where we we examine the uh the sacrifices that people make to defend the nation what in, in what ways you you could um give give appropriate proportionate um respect to the people who are doing ecological repair and and thus being warriors and defenders of the forests of the nation of the the soil and and the water and and all of that good stuff and i think that uh <laughs> you don't have to go a wall from the military to be dis disenchanted with it and to become disillusioned and then and then put all put the remainder of your your warrior energy into healing the earth and then realizing that there's a lot of work to be done on the in the motherland and that's that's what um that's what Jack Spirko's done uh and that's what my glover's doing and um and I've I've you know I I have not met either of them personally I have met beautiful souls who are uh, ex-military who are who are deep in in um regenerative agriculture permaculture design and whatnot so anyway with all that said that's a little bit philosophical but coming back to the action of surviving this mega storm and how that really um it's almost like um it, if 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 that storm happened <laughs> and it was and this project mat- was mature to a point where where we were actually doing a, a a PDC a permaculture design course with people camping and engaged in a in that PDC and for that storm to happen and for the spirit of the people to be self-selecting warrior spirited people then that would be basically a um you you would call it a perfect storm because <laughs> you would find out who was you know who who was brave enough to do what had to be done in the midst of that uh who was prepared enough to do what had to be done safely and um and so you you get uh that sort of um initiation by the the dance with the forces of nature that's what makes an eco I mean, that's what makes any kind of warrior and that's what i mean to me is mo- the most romantic and attractive about 
about the types of the types of military um, training that 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 are the most intimate with nature. You know that I think there is um, there's a beautiful mystique with that. You know, um, it's far more romantic to imagine these athletic warriors who are really really in tune with like the elements versus drone operators for example um who 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 are lacking that that um uh just lacking that that intimacy with nature um so (laughs) i think about how humbled that storm made me and just mechanically talking about what it did it i figured it was going to be far more devastating to my humble little permaculture site camp uh in development than it was but it it was actually perfect timing because it happened right before i made a mission out to go and procure basically the starter kit for a food forest meaning trees shrubs vines seedlings a mountain of compost and uh and the sort of um scaffolding if you will the 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 prosthesis that i need to get that garden to get that food forest established and protected from from the elements um (laughs) <laughs> and if that storm would have if the if the calibration that i had towards the f- forces of nature would have um if i would have gotten gotten all that stuff done plantings sighted things out built what i need what i thought i needed to protect that i would have seen it all be blown to bits <laughs> and so having having had that um that can of whoopass opened on me before I went out and got that stuff then it taught me of course you need to not you need to double triple quadruple overbuild everything that you do as as knowing that that could occur to that scale for that duration and possibly worse at any time and that is a a level of um preparedness and readiness and resolve that um you know, I thought, you know, I thought I, <laughs> I had to, uh, I had to rethink a lot. Um, and, uh, just to give some, some visuals, cause it's worth documenting and noting this stuff. Uh, and also remembering, I remember at Quail Springs, I showed up at Quail Springs, um, right after an epic, mega flood washed away their food forest uh and taught them that um that they have to build on higher ground and and i was there helping to replant a food forest that was just washed away by epic flood and um and so i have that i wasn't there during that storm i was there in the aftermath of it um helping to replant so i have no like visceral memory of the the trauma of feeling all that work get washed away um i don't have that much of an etching in my memory to where i would 
if I were them, I imagine they'll never let that happen again if, if they can help it. Um, but I theoretically know about it. I know about it as a historical event. And so I do think about that and I do have to at some point always think like, well, you, you got to expect that it's possible that this can, uh, Tony Moss was, a was, was a, had a beautiful permaculture food forest project and it, and it was burned to cinders. Um, he's a, he's a, uh, uh, prominent, uh, legendary, uh, neo-shamanic practitioner, if you will, and a uh, permaculture designer. And, um, so, uh, you have to be somewhat psychologically prepared for the idea that, uh, that you could put in years and years and years and how God knows how much money to establish something, a food forest, and then have it be washed away, burnt away, uh, covered in sand like the Woody Guthrie song about the Dust Bowl and <laughs> your farm got covered in in sand and uh, feet of sand and just be a little, I mean, you can't, I don't know, there's there's obviously ways to be prepared for that that contingency financially and, and spiritually, um, that form of devastation, but again, at some level, it's funny to think about almost everything we do with our little stick frame houses and our little stick power lines and the little wires with the little bit of, <laughs> bit of like, it's just from a God's eye view or goddess's eye view of what not even extreme climate change, global weirding stuff, but just like run-of-the-mill um, natural disasters, run-of-the-mill extreme weather, just how we seem to not be learning lessons. Uh, we seem to just keep repeating the same mistakes. And as Bill Mollison said, we keep falling into holes of our own making. And um, that's where you get into the pattern literacy of dome shapes and understanding aerodynamics and and fluid dynamics to where you design structures that actually are resilient and they just literally, literally the forces of nature roll off their back by design. So <laughs> what was beautiful for me, having been, like I said, polished down to a marble <laughs> of like, yeah, you know, I think I got this dialed in. I'm going to be catching rainwater. I, I dug a bunch of swales and ponds. Um, I'm ready for the rains to come down. Um, you know, hopefully the swales are big enough and wide enough and long enough and the ponds are have enough depth and whatnot to be able to, and the, the dam wall or the, uh, the heights and the, everything is going to be such that uh, if there is a major rain event, then then it will, um, it, all of the system of, uh, of earthworks will, the water will overflow gently and, and continue to absorb into the landscape as I continue to build more and more fractals of that pattern to cap, to, to, uh, to capture that, <laughs> the sheet flow and the, and the downpours and the, and the floods and whatnot. So my thinking was, was calibrated to the, expectation of 
of being prepared for just no rain, being prepared uh, to, to, to bootstrap a food forest literally with imported water 100% for however long. So expecting zero, <laughs> zero rain and then, but being prepared for, 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 for torrential rains and flooding. But I realized with that storm, <laughs> which was so laughably humbling in, 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 in how, um, just how, uh, how easy it is for, for us to underestimate the forces of nature. Just that just goes for any, any circumstance. But (laughs) what was so funny about what I realized is like, I, instead of, you know, I was planning for, for a, a flood of, of water, but not planning for a flood of sand. (laughs) And so what was not the best of timing, although I have to say in a Taoistic sense, it all works out because it taught me what I needed to learn. And it was a beautiful lesson, but basically hand dug swales about, uh, wheelbarrows width and, uh, between one and two feet deep, uh, approximately throughout, um, to just myself have to, during the storm, literally protect my eyes and protect my lungs with a, with a mask and, uh, and, and retreat into my, my tiny home um, for the, for the majority of it. And then, and then having to think about like, oh shit, there's stuff out there. Luckily there's nothing out there like animals yet that I would need to care for or extra secure or which, yeah, if you have a bunch of animals on a, any kind of farm and a storm is coming, you're going to be out there risking it, risking your life to get them prematurely in the cycle of a day or or night you're going to be out there doing things to fortify and protect them so luckily that was not a factor um it was just me i just had to lock myself up in the coop you know for for a bit but then i then i had to think like is there anything out there that uh would be tragic if i or or it would just be it would really suck if if it just blows away uh, and I never see it again, and um, and there were a couple of things where I was like, oh damn, you know what? You can't leave. Even if you, even, there was things that I did secure with rocks and whatnot, having experience with just normal kind of gusts and things, but uh, but no, this was like boulders were moving, <laughs> boulders that were not. At, uh, that were not at, uh, weighted down by other boulders were were were, were sliding around uh, uh, based on um, the the aerodynamics of the sand underneath them. Like it, it was crazy. I'd never seen so much so much mass moved by a force of nature ever in my life. I mean, I, I yeah. And I just, re- just really feeling like, whoa, like I am this little jellyfish out here with my little bamboo tiny home. And, um, I'm hope and I, and I have the audacity to think that my lungs are just not going to get f- overflowing with 
silica fine particle dust as sharp as glass that's going to scar my lungs and and limit my breathing capacity and possibly cause pneumonia and be deadly like what hubris to think that just because um you know it's like fine and pleasant and yeah it gets hot and yeah it can there can be heavy rains but no this is like you're feeble you are really um it was a trip while it was happening it was so it was so violent and so um to me i didn't like i didn't know if it was nuclear winter honestly i didn't know (laughs) obviously there are ways to check on that but uh you know it it wasn't an emp it wasn't but uh it did feel it did feel like um i mean looking out there it was like a it was like a blizzard because you couldn't see you know more than 100 feet out it was like a, a a thick fog of of sand and never seen myself i mean i guess people who've been to burning man they they're trained to and they're advised to be you know preparing for that um i've never been to burning man if i had been and i experienced that i probably would have (laughs) not be learning this the hard way the way that i did but um but going back to some of the lessons from it yeah seeing the swales i just dug be partially filled up with sand which is fine sand which is not going to drain away the way you want the water to and now the swales just got literally half as effective so i better what am i going to do i think about it like am i going to be in this game of like um of uh two one two steps forward one step forward two steps back with uh with sandstorms filling my swales damn that's um a permaculture designer should be smarter than that but you know we're dealing with uh chaos here and we think we can outsmart it but oftentimes it just kicks our ass and we got to start over but uh but no it was it was beautiful in that even bill mollison said he said your swales are going to most of this talking about water and flooding he says your swales are going to get blown out so you make them deeper you make them wider um so that's that's what you you know that if if anything the lesson is <laughs> if that storm happened the way it did and then th- the years um majority of inches of rainfall come the next day <laughs> after the storm passes and now those swales are half as effective because they're filled with sand that would suck so i better realize that i'm not just designing for floodwaters i'm designing for partial nullification of my earthworks by massive sandstorms that make my little like toothpick scratchings in in the soil with the shovel um just erase them by covering them in, in in layers of sand i didn't shed any tears because i knew i had it coming to me um it was I felt bummed out and I felt bummed out until I examined closer walking out and looking at it and going this is so fucking beautiful this embossing this exemplifies the beauty of the pattern literacy that you're taught in the permaculture design course which is like like Jeff Lawton will say many times you know he will test the level of a swale by just flooding it with water and then you know um intuitively um 
of course you can use you know you can measure it and whatnot but <laughs> but like the water the water will do half the work for you in my in my words and in my experience if i'm trying to level a a, a swale uh you run you flood it with water and then it will there's various ways that it'll indicate to you um whether you've done it correctly but in the absence since i'm off grid with no water i can't do that so what the gift was of that flooding by sand was that it actually showed me the way these are going to look the the way that the, that nature and the forms and the curves of nature which are so beautiful uh, the way they're going to correct my mistakes and they're going to also emboss and 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 and, and um um what's the word they're going to highlight and they're going to exemplify the the where i where i have it right and where I, where i have it wrong but basically also was when i was car- carving the swales and then watching the pdc you know you if you just do a gross digging of trench with shovels if you're if if you, i was like do i want to go back and exert the energy to round those edges or should i just wait for the rains to to round them off the way they're going to and let nature take its course and it wasn't the rains that did that it was the sand that or i mean it was the wind that did that but the effect was was the same nature there are no straight lines in nature is the mantra and you get to see these beautiful dunes scapes being created and you know the the pond the dam walls um the the swale mounds you know to see the the way what what is left behind when the dust is blown off and then settles somewhere else and the sort of beautiful like sort of snow drift things it's it's just a, a totally beautiful uh, aesthetic sight to behold and then the patterns that it un- uh, revealed it showed me that my intuition which was actually like i i, I was imagining the uh, the finish the finished work the finished work of the swales as i was digging them with the gross sort of blunt work of just like of uh, just digging a trench and having it be kind of jagged you know yeah just a jagged trench that is not structurally sound and then and then thinking i was going to have to i'm going to have to go back and and do the finish work to make these structurally sound and for them to sit right um and not just collapse and cave in but basically it's like so i think it's an i think it it balances out because yeah i'm going to have to going to have to do some clearing in the swales but also the work that i half the work that that the that the, the sandstorm did to blow those um sharp edges off it kind of it kind of i see how it balances out and most importantly it shows me that i can now wait in a way better way see the sort of curvature that i intended that the design that was in my mind it was it was um verified by the way that the sand kind of shaped it's almost like it created a mold and if and i know that yeah if if that if a major rain event comes tomorrow who knows maybe that is the maybe what was left in the aftermath of that the sand filling they didn't fill the trenches they basically just did what had to be done which is um which is r- smooth and round off the, the 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 upper edges and then of course the wind did 
you know, the wind, um, there being a, uh, you know, a cavity, a concave in the ground, then, then particles sediment from the air is going to drop into that. And you're going to get like, um, more in there than you, than you would have otherwise. But, um, but even with all of that, um, I mean, this is sand, so the rainwater is going to go through it anyway, uh, pretty quickly. But, um, but no, I guess what I'm saying is that, um, it's, I'm going to go deeper and wider. Um, I intended to anyway, now I have more confidence and more validation that, uh, that the, the leveling appears to be right. And the, the sort of, um, the flows that I wanted to create, they, they got, they, they got flowed through by sand and wind and they left the, um, the uh the mold that that is exactly how i intend the water to behave when there is going when when there is massive um flooding events so we'll see where that all goes but uh but it's worth uh it's worth doing a little bit of a bob ross verbal bob ross on that on that uh that experience um if you ever remember if you ever have the experience just a fresh snow you know you go out and you're just like wow it's you you experience the landscape differently different you experience you experience the texture of the landscape differently when it's covered in a, a fresh sheet of snow so that was literally like the equivalent of that luckily that i did survive and i was able to bundle up but i did at one point have to go out there and put my put my knee pads on my nuts <laughs> because things were fly- literally stuff was flying and it was i felt stupid going out there i'm like man you shouldn't you fucked up if you have to be going back out there for anything um but i i darted out and uh and grabbed uh <laughs> grabbed what i knew was about to start flying away which was flying away which was uh which was my very and i need to have a backup pair but uh but my the knee pads that i i rely on they were starting i could they were starting to i could see from my little peephole that they were flying away and i'm like fuck i can't that is not a for that is a force divider if i lose those and 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 don't plan to come out and restock or resupply for a while so went out there for, for that and uh used used the knee pads to cover my nuts as i fought the winds like uh cousin larry in the beginning of perfect strangers if you remember that scene um but anybody who's literally like yeah, like the, the wind is like trying, walking against the wind is like trying to stop a wave, you know, in, in, in the ocean. But um, we made it back, survived the storm. It wasn't the apocalypse. It wasn't the end of the world. And I got to see that most of, uh, surprisingly, most of my just basic camp infrastructure was intact. A lot of it having to, owing to the fact that I'm big on bamboo and I'm big on dome structures and um, and just yeah, always always trying to be uh, ever more mindful of the disaster of squared off architecture versus the um, the glory of rounded edge architecture, so that um, you were <laughs> not not uh, fighting an uphill battle uh with with these dynamics aerodynamics um so what else is there to say about that about surviving that storm well it definitely 
activated something deep in that warrior mindset of um you never know it's uh, yeah i mean you, i guess you would say uh if if that were if that were leveraged to be to be a, a sort of um a surprise training exercise that it happened then the psychology of it is like though no, that was like an ambush where <laughs> could you have been more prepared to to address that and to be in a more optimal state so of course it just created lists upon lists upon lists of things that i can do um to just secure everything better and to <laughs> to make sure that for example if i had to care for my a wound of my own or care for animals or care for other people that that the the inanimate objects that uh that I could have put more care to secure beforehand like checking off more and more things to know I want to have maximum availability in a in an emergency situation to administer care to life to living beings and to of course mitigate uh, and do do care for physical infrastructure as needed uh as a lower priority but the more that that physical infrastructure can be secured in advance the the less it becomes um, a liability a, a hazard um or a risk of loss or damage due to the the inf- inflicted harm of uh, of extreme weather events the more it's secured so now i'm thinking okay wow it really is going to appear like this encampment is fortified against that level of 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 uh, and beyond of um i don't want to call it violence but that level of of uh, of of force of of nature and uh and that'll be very appropriate and that'll be the yield of overbuilding by design is going to be that i will have ever more uh peace of mind moving forward so anyway yeah so <laughs> i'm really glad that that happened right before i went out to go get a bunch of stuff to plant um the strategies that i will that i am implementing now given that realizing how how um how much extra effort i need to put into sheltering the fledgling food forest uh it, it's a blessing so um so props to nature for throwing that one at me and uh the i guess the last funny thing i'll say about it was that i've been doing all this work to sort of MacGyver and engineer a sort of um a uh incremental um rainwater catchment strategy that uh, that is is somewhat somewhat funky somewhat just trying not to just go rely on buying a bunch of plastic and and even and even trying to 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 maintain a policy of like I don't want I don't want any objects here. I don't want any physical or any uh 
human-made objects here that uh, that I can't easily lift by myself without causing major damage to my back. So, you know, a lot, lots of smaller tanks either plumbed together or gravity-fed or gravity-plumbed or whatever you want to call it, but exploring smaller tanks versus larger tanks so that I can move them uh, advantageously or rotate them as needed or or even relocate them in the future by truck and not by semi-truck or crane or what you know what I mean so and also if you have contamination or failure of a larger tank then there you're that's all your eggs in one basket you know and uh, if this is really about survival and long-term prepping it makes sense to have a more cellular approach to 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 food storage, water storage, etc. Considering spoilage and leakage and whatnot. So, anyway, as I'm thinking through those things, the funny thing about like again being humbled by the limits of the dimensionality of thinking until you really get your ass handed to you by a storm like that. Um, you know, I'm thinking, okay, rain it's either going to be a little bit of rain coming mostly straight down or a lot of rain coming mostly straight down. But what <laughs> what I experienced in this fucking blizzard of sand and with some rain, it was just like this... Um, this uh, I thought about it like this. This would be like trying to, to catch... Trying to put a rain gutter on a semi truck going ninety miles an hour in a in a in a wind and rainstorm, and the futility of thinking like oh I'll put like yeah I'm gonna put um, I'm gonna put a rain gutter on a semi truck so that I can capture rainwater, and then and then just like the, me out there me thinking through this I'm like oh my god if this is the way that all the rain comes I'm not gonna get any of it in tanks, so. Because it's it's basically like a <laughs> like a a horizontal mesh of 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 moisture and droplets uh, splattering in all which directions, not just coming straight down and going on the path that I designed for it. So that was humbling and embarrassing to think about. Like, wow, if you really think you really think that. Uh, That most of the it, well, it's going to depend. It's 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 going to depend on what percentage of the precipitation comes down in that sort. It, basically, it's like a, a horizontal tsunami, <laughs> where I don't know how much of that precipitation is going to cooperate with. You, I would almost have to put up a. I would almost have to put up a vertical wall. <laughs> To, to capture rainwater because it's going sideways and it would have to get it would have to get banked on a, a vertical wall or it would be like the way you you have those devices that turn solar panels to to, to face the sun at the right angle and they, they, they follow the sun like sunflowers actually do that heliotropism is what it is um but imagine rain <laughs> you have such insanely violent bizarre like angles of of rainwater coming at you that you actually have like roof panels that uh, like your roof just like adapts on the fly to a shape that will capture the most rain uh i think there are probably forward-thinking uh engineers that are figuring that kind of stuff out um but uh but it was humbling and laughable so i realized yeah don't i can't i, I can't assume that i'm gonna 
survive off of rainwater or that my crops are going to survive off of rainwater if I end up being surprised that uh, even though a lot of precipitation happened and even though it will percolate into the earthworks at scale, my little tiny, tiny footprint of, um, of roof catchment space and also this idea that it is effective but not when you have that much uh, wind pressure happening is basically creating a catchment of rainwater catchment surface through fabric and creating concave fabric um, cones basically uh, that, uh, that, that are basically like suspending uh like like imagine if um you've probably seen this if you've ever had like a backyard shade uh suspended shade cloth type of thing um that when it's raining it's gonna it's if it's it's not all gonna fall through directly where the drops hit it's going to funnel down to a low point and so if you nudge that effect by putting let's say a rock this is what they do with the solar stills if you you know that's something to look up in survival for capturing capturing water uh from evaporation in a pit underground basically but but the idea is if you want to control where water flows off of a sheet whether that's fabric or plastic sheeting or or whatever um and you make it concave and you can weight it down in the middle and then it can um, funnel up and, and drip where you want it. So so with with sheets of fabric, I'm, I'm thinking I'm just going to, I don't want to do tons of corrugated steel, that stuff. My God, it could decapitate you if it gets caught in the wind, it can decapitate you if you drop it on your toe like my dumb ass has. And it's just nasty. It's nasty when it when it corrodes and uh, and it's always there looking to poke you. <laughs> you know when you're not looking. Like I try to do things to round the edges and and put stoppers on there, but it, they're just um, they're a necessary evil that I like to minimize. And I like to be capturing rainwater with fabric that's biodegradable and not a lethal object to handle uh or, or that i have to worry about it getting loose so or getting ripped off um but the the winds like that are going to nullify those they're just going to be just flailing around so anyway another one thing that could be done with with those actually would be to weight them down on the ground at a lower level but anyway i don't want to get too deep into the new calibrations and iterations but uh, but i will say uh freshly off that design course again bill mollison did say and this was you know however many years ago but he says it would it's 30 times more expensive to capture rainwater with tankage than it is to install the earthworks i.e swales and and ponds to um to get the bang for your buck of course that water is going to go underground and and continue to supply your maturing food forest crops and return back to you even years and years later in the form of uh, fruits that'll fall from the water that you captured 10 years ago with your earthworks. So you're basically banking that water underground, moving very, very slowly um, from the, through the, the topsoil to the subsoil and, and then slowly uh, draining, either recharging the aquifers or or slowly, much more slowly draining across the slope of the bedrock. But uh, for all intents and purposes, if you can um, 
intelligently design your rainwater harvesting strategy so that at least the rain from one year gets you and your crops through to the rain of the next year, then it doesn't matter if you do that correctly, then it shouldn't matter if it doesn't rain more than one time. <laughs> if you have, if you're set up to, to, to stretch it now, unfortunately I, I had that, I had my strategy, uh, <laughs> torn to shreds and I have to really, you know, rethink that and, and, and really have to think more about just, having nursing this project with more tankage that's filled from the outside for now that's just the reality but um that those lessons learned those lessons learned definitely um made for good tactical permaculture par excellence um real threats to real threats the enemy is is uh is using um the the enemy uh, is the forces of nature and the there's no negotiating there's no psychological operation there is no surrendering there's no uh there's no way other than to face that pretty much head on and to be prepared for it so um I don't think it earns me any brownie points, uh, but I do feel like because for me to be a warrior defender of the people that I love and the animals that I love and the trees that I love and to be a good a good um, manager of uh, and shepherd of, of the, 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 the uh, sheepdog, if you will, of, of the future of what I'm going to do here, my liability spiritually for life that I invite and install on this property... It's my responsibility to know that I'm not gonna shit my pants in fetal position when it when there's a storm. I I had to think, okay, what do I, what did I have? How was I prepared for this psychologically? What kit did I have available to me? Where was it? Was it handy? Was it available? Did I have to dig for it? Did I forget where certain things were? You know, was it out of place? Was I lazy and half-assing, you know, where the first aid kit is or all those kind of things? You, you, you never drill enough. And, and, and so you find out what the holes in your preps are when shit hits the fan and <laughs> shit hits your fan. So sand hit the fan for me. But, uh, and then I, I, I did procure knowing that like okay if this if this fight for survival is is a matter of <laughs> when the rains come if they're going to come in that in any type of format like that maybe i will go out and i'll i'll fucking build in the storm <laughs> with the proper personal protective equipment on i will go out and build vertical fucking walls <laughs> to fucking grab some to stop that rain from f going off the property horizontally Am I willing to do that? Do I have the preparation to do that now? That's all I can think about. Like that shook me up. That was the, the um, you know, the, uh, uh, in some way, the uh, initiation of silk of what they would, that was being tested. You know, that, that was a test uh, for me to know what I'm going to have to be prepared to do Um moving forward so put me on you know on, on the edge of my toes and now i'm like in a defensive posture now that is like 
<laughs> I was not in a fighting stance with the wind. And now I am. <laughs> because the wind could fucking not only destroy everything, you know, in minutes or hours, but it could also... It could also blow away the rain that I'm trying to survive on and 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 hydrate my my crops with. So I got to be able to go out there and 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 strategically um, be basically be out there in that in that uh, experience and not just be um, just just sheltering from it. Of course, if I have to shelter at some. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not going out there to thrill seek. It's not like I'm an adrenaline junkie or something. It would be like, oh shit, what I built to capture the rainwater is being is not functioning the way. So be, also being able to go out there and monitor things, see that the swales are running properly. I may have to be out there watching the swales fill and then discovering and only then discovering that I'm an inch away from the mark of where it's supposed to be uh, gradually uh, overflowing and filling a pond. If I don't, if I'm not there with the lights and, the, and now thinking about you get wet in this time of year, you will, I would die out here of, uh, of hypothermia if I get wet and I'm out there and, you know, yeah, then you have to do what you got to do to, yeah, to fight hypothermia. I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't need to prove to myself or anybody else that once I have hypothermia that I know how to fight it and defeat it. I'm not going to expose myself to that for the sake of um, earning that merit badge. I'm deathly afraid of it and I am beyond the golden hour where I'm at to where you know, medical emergencies are, 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 uh, would be putting me in a dirt nap, um, if I fuck up. So being able to be out there and work in the storm, doing, repairing the earthworks, uh, monitoring the flows, adapting and even building things on the fly that, that requires, you know, a, a level of, um, of kit, a level of, of, uh, intestinal fortitude and, uh, and planning, um, to, to pull off. So that's, that's the, that's what the future is going to look like. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to just uh, go about my merry way thinking like, oh, when are the rains going to come straight down and uh, <laughs> and just fill everything up the way I wanted it to. That's it's not that's um, wishful thinking. So um, what it what it has brought up for me now coming back, I'm not going to get into oh, it'll be a better time to get into the selections of um, crops that I that I purchased and the the sourcing of the compost material that I acquired uh, that's that's probably a separate episode to talk about the the food forest um, ingredients if you will um, but more on the vibe of the the tactical permaculture what this also um, what this also has led to this sort of dominoes or the sort of, um, what would you call it? The, uh, the chain of events, um, 
that were sent sent set in motion by that level of a of an ambush by the forces of nature basically it's like everything is now time pressurized to fortify to ensure that when not if that happens again it doesn't do what i said before it doesn't it doesn't destroy everything i built it doesn't wipe me out and it doesn't jeopardize the plan of harvesting maximal rainwater so that means this the 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 timeline to get everything that i'm in place that needs to be put in place that means i have to push myself into beast mode for more hours with less sleep and do those sorts of um extreme um sort of bursts of energy the sprints that 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 you have to be uh conditioned to be able to put that in without causing major injury and without it being extremely exhaustive to where to where you're barely able to to withstand doing it so for me my weak point like many people who've done landscaping for years and been in bands lifting equipment and all that stuff like I throw my back out so to speak uh you know uh at a at a drop of a hat you know it's it's uh, it's almost like no matter how much I've been with the knees no ma- there's no I haven't had x-rays I haven't gone to a chiropractor I haven't had any professional um evaluation of like the status of my lumbar portion as it were um all i know is i'm not gumby anymore uh and uh i don't feel any sort of um generally i don't feel any kind of chronic pain but uh but when that flares up when when basically <laughs> When I'm when I'm moving or lifting anything over five pounds, no matter how correctly I do it, I'm at risk of being in, in extreme agonizing pain moving anything at all for days. And um and then <laughs> the thing is, you know, in I g I don't know if you I would say in a perfect world, but uh in a vi- let's say in a village in a utopian perfect world a i.e the 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 world that we all came from which is like people that care for each other and are in a village and when they get injured they 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 support each other to, to to recover properly and take proper time out of exertion to heal (laughs) that utopianism that we don't have called you know the either lone wolfing it the way i am or being in the workaday world you don't get that luxury to like lick your wounds at all you get maybe you can maybe you can afford or your insurance will pay for drugs to mask the pain of deeper things that you you're not you're not addressing so you don't have time to or to address you don't have the luxury to be healthy so so the irony is you know in that perfect world okay i threw my back out you know what that should mean the pain is telling you stop fucking moving dumbass like in most nine times out of ten um the pain will go away 
as the body does its natural magic to reset, rehydrate, re realign, um, drain inflammation off, do what it needs to do. Like it's telling you stop moving. I will make you suffer with pain until you fucking stop moving. And what do we do? Back to work, back to the grind, rise and grind, whatever. Give me the pills to numb the pain. Or if it's um, a survival situation or obviously in a uh, any form of um, having to rise to the occasion of defending uh, property or defending... Uh, obey, uh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> if it's if it's um, uh, it's it's if it's an emergency situation, that is that's probably the most general term. You um, you have to triage yourself. Like, are, are you? Do you keep putting? Um, are you gonna? Are you going to sit on a grenade for the platoon? Are you gonna? grind down and sacrifice some of your own sleep hours, some of your own flesh, some of your own bones um, to do the mission of protecting your um, you and yours or, or basically defending other people, defending a perimeter, etc. So all that is to say <laughs> the chain of events goes major storm happens forces me to rethink a lot of things and puts a major time pressure on me to to do a lot to do a lot more than I thought I had to do to be ready for the rains that I that that will come and who knows now like fuck that who knows <laughs> I'm 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 a little bit uh, more or a lot more just sort of in in that fighting stance you know of like oh shit um, this, this could be, I could be really, really underestimating, um, what I'm going to be dealing with. Oh.